Good morning. My name is Dr. Charles Sophie, and this is my first podcast, so I want to welcome you all here today. I am a doctor, and I'm a psychiatrist, a child psychiatrist, a family psychiatrist, and I'm also a family doctor. And I've been on a lot of television. I've done some radio. I've worked along with a lot of really great talent and a lot of great doctors, and I really felt it was time for me to be able to explore a way for me to be more direct to you so that you have direct access to me and I have direct access to you and we can talk more openly and we can talk about things that are more specific about the things that happen in your life, the life of your children, the way your family functions and just in general how to have a better outcome for your life. So that's me. And I'd like to hear from you. So I'm going to invite you to call in at some point through this podcast so that you're able to really talk to me and we're able to get some answers to some of your questions and hear what other people think too. Today, I think we're going to talk about mostly the transition back to school. I think it's a tough place to be both for a parent and a child and a family in general. It's that time of the year that you really feel like, oh, I'm sort of glad summer's over. I want my child to go back to school. And wow, I really love that time I had with my child, but now it's over with. So it's a bittersweet time for everybody, and it's also a tough place to be because we're going from a free-form kind of summer to really a much more structured environment. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay, let's take some calls. Brian. Yes, hi, Dr. Sophie. How hey, are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for calling in. I'm good. You're, you're very welcome. I have a question about my, um, my son. My wife and I have a 7-year-old second grader. And he went to school about two weeks ago. They started up again this year. And in the evening and nighttime, he's great. He's excited about school. He talks about school. But when we wake him up in the morning to get him out of bed, um, he's dragging. And he sometimes complains about stomach aches and other reasons why he shouldn't go to school or why he can't go in first thing and maybe he'll go in after lunch. And I don't know what to do about that because every night he's fine and every morning he's not fine. How was last year? Last year was fine. Last year, he in, in first grade, it, it worked out well and kind of the, the same positive uh, evening activities. And the morning, you know, good. I mean, he's a little bit groggy, but none of this kind of stuff. Okay. Well, the, the biggest thing for you and your wife to understand is that this is a typical developmental milestone for your child. It's, it's anxiety, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. It just needs to be addressed. And so really knowing that he has it and, and limiting it and having him know what's going on gives him control, which then gives him the power to contain that anxiety so it doesn't cripple him during the day. Things like getting him up early enough, keeping him on a tight schedule so that he sleeps at the right time and he's waking up and he's not too tired having breakfast. And then if the issue really is going to school, maybe drawing a picture for the teacher to take in. But some kind of bridging activity is really key so that he feels that he's going to school with something that he can offer. The other key thing is trying to be there at school, maybe the first person there, the first kid on the playground kind of thing, so that he doesn't feel he's joining the group. He's actually there and the group is joining him because he's already there. All those kinds of things will limit anxiety, which will then make it a positive experience that he builds on going forward and doesn't have that resistance in the morning. That's great. Now, how do I get a better understanding of what's making him anxious? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that make a lot of people anxious, especially kids. But if you look at on my website, drsophie.com, you'll see a technique I use called SWEEP. There's five key areas to go through. 
that'll give you an idea if one of those areas is off of kind of what is driving that anxiety and maybe it's something you can address from sleep issues or maybe there's a school performance or academic issue that you're not aware of yet that's making him anxious and therefore not wanting to go. Maybe he's being bullied. Maybe there's a social issue. So looking at all of those five key areas, but then you can't forget that dreaded genetics that is really going to rear its ugly head at some point. So really looking at the family histories of both you and your wife to see if there's issues within that that are just really part of who he's going to be and his personality. And those are the ways, things that once you identify, you have to give him tools to be able to navigate because medications and all of those kinds of issues and, and modalities are really not anything you want to use until you absolutely have to and have talked to the experts. Okay. You know, I have a, a suspicion here that he's got problems with one of his classmates, and I, I try to raise it and kind of bait him to, to bring it up, and he, and he hasn't. So any ideas as to how I might get my son to open up a little more about some of the problems he might be getting at Well, at yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Many parents really feel that they don't want to put their kids' faces in it and bring it up if it's not really a problem, but they feel it is a problem. So I, I think the best way to get a handle on it is, number one, talk to school and see what's going on there socially, both in the classroom and in the playground. At lunchtime, who's he sitting with? How's that going? But also, play dates in your home so that these children are coming into your home and you can see the interactions. And maybe even specifically drill it down to a play date one-on-one -on -one with the child you think that he may be having the difficult time with to really see what's going on. And if it is happening, you're there and you can help repair it and help them work through to a better place. So really knowledge is the key. Seeing it, getting a teacher's perspective, and really putting that all together is how you're going to really address that. Otherwise, it, it may be too anxiety provoking for him. And he may be embarrassed or whatever to bring it up. And that's what I'm getting. But I think it's good advice to, to talk to some of the people at the school and get their read of it rather than just basically hammering away at my son saying, I don't think you're telling me the whole truth. Yeah, hammering is kind of scary. Okay, terrific. Well, thank you for your advice. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Okay, we got another caller. Lindsay, how are you? Hello. Hey, Lindsay, Dr. Sophie here. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. I was actually calling about a sixth grader that I have that's going to be transitioning into secondary school and her anxieties and how to handle it. All right, great question. Um, this is a girl, and she's going to go into a different school or is it a different part of the school on the same campus? A completely different school. Okay, and, and have you... And do you see the anxiety, or it's just you're anticipating it? Um, probably more anticipating it than anything. Okay, and are you more anxious than her, do you think? Probably. Yeah. Awesome. That's the key. Know what's you and know what's your, your child. And just talk to your child. See where they're at. Get a, get a read on them. And, you know, look at some of the things in their life. Are they sleeping? Have any of the things changed? Are they, are they showing you they're anxious or are they just showing you their typical anxiety with a transition, but they're really more excited and they have friends and they're moving forward? So really get that in check. And then if you really see a high level of anxiety, there are a lot of things you can do. Have her go over to the school and check it out, get more comfortable with it, see what the ride is going to be like. But the more you give her knowledge of what that process is going to be like and what school is going to entail, the more power you give her in that knowledge and the less anxiety she has. Okay. I think another concern is that she probably won't be going with many or much of her friends, maybe but one. Right. She's encounter all new friends. And I think that's actually where her anxiety is. Well, I understand that. And it, again, it's a transition in a transition. And so that's a good thing. And, and feel that it's, it's 
something you should be able to show her that new friends, new life, and, and life is an evolving place and it never stays the same and it shouldn't stay the same because being static is kind of where you get stuck and, and then get even more frightened about life. So living and empowering your child is the key. So get yourself in check, then your kid is in check. Perfect. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. Thank you too. Bye-bye. So we're talking about school transition. We're hearing about children that are going from uh, up to their, their middle school into high school, kids that are having issues. But you know what? I think at the end of the day, what I'm hearing most today is a lot of parents who have some issues because they're having to deal with their children growing up, what that might feel like, and, and how best to deal with that and how best to recognize that because that's the biggest key. How much is you and how much is your child? Okay, let's hit the phones again. MJ? Hi, Dr. Sophie. Hi, MJ. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you for calling in. I'm calling because my youngest is uh, getting ready to head off to college, Ooh. and so I'm just kind of, you know, worried about the whole empty nest syndrome. Ah, and do you feel it, or you're just anticipating being worried about it? It is the anticipation because, you know, my daughter already left for college, and, you know, so I know what I went through then. Um, and what was no. that? What did you go through? Oh, <laughs> Everybody kind of makes fun of me because I would just, you know, kind of go uh, lay in her bed and just, it was crazy. Okay, so really it's sad for you and you, you feel lonely and you miss your kids. Totally. Good for you. I mean, that means you're a great parent and you're healthy and you were connected and you're just going to be connected in a different way, but that doesn't mean it doesn't feel scary and lonely and all of those kinds of things. So, I mean, really you got to focus on what you're going to do. Have a little bit of a plan that you're going to follow from day one after you take him and how you and your, you're with somebody of a husband or a partner. Yes, I, I am married. And how you're going to work together and, and really you got to focus on your marriage because there's going to be nobody at home now, right? Exactly. So, and, and what you're going to do with yourself for those eight hours of the day and how you're going to, you know, empower yourself to do something that you feel good about so that you have something to bring to the table because your job now has brought you to a point where you've created two great human beings and they're off on their own. So now it's time to transition and focus maybe on you and what would speak to you so that you can give back to the world and have interesting stuff to talk to your partner and your husband about. But it's really looking at you and, and key areas of your life and how you're going to now grow because it's time for you to grow and evolve. And that's a scary place because you've been in a certain place for so long. Oh, for sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, being a parent, um, you know, that's just kind of what you do. You try to get them to this place, but then it's like you want them to be five again. So. Absolutely. <laughs> you want them to be five, but you want them to also be 25 and be successful. So it's that bittersweet place. But I Definitely. think as, as you transition and you know how you feel, that's the key. Know how you feel and how much of it is you. You're not putting it onto your child. You're empowering them to go and they move forward. But you're also then going to build your life. Don't don't say to yourself, oh, I'll, I'll look for things to do after we take him and I come back home. Really start to think about it before you even get him off to college. So there are things that you can just click right into on day one. So start doing things now yes. so that I've already filled some of that time when yes. he goes in a couple of weeks. Right, and that you have ideas of what you would like to do both by yourself and with your husband so that the two of you now can come back to being fully married and you don't have that stuff going on in your life and you can really focus on the reasons why you got married to him in the first place and rebuild that relationship a little bit and make it even stronger. That sounds perfect. It's exciting. <laughs> it's actually a very exciting time of life. So embrace it. I know it's scary, but any change is scary, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. 
Okay. Well, that sounds like great advice. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Good luck and uh, enjoy your new life. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye. We have so many great topics to talk about as we go through week by week. There's a lot of stuff coming up about kids in schools having uh, iPods with them and technology to better connect them and their accessibility to information. We're going to talk about all these kinds of things as the weeks come up so that we're able to keep you informed. We're able to hear what your issues are, giving you solutions, connecting you to resources, and really working things out as a community. All right, let's go back to the phones. Teddy? Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing good. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for having me. How can I help you? Um, I was calling with a question what your thoughts are about iPad use in schools. Is it beneficial or do you think it's harmful? Well, I think it, it depends on how they're utilized and how much time of the day and where exactly within the curriculum they're used. So I think with those variables out there, I think you've got to limit it to a point because there's going to be children that the school isn't even aware of that the effects of that iPad on their brain are going to be really interesting. So, you know, it's very similar to the child who's hooked on a video game. Right. So you have to really limit it because you're going to be discovering kids who are really going to be engaged with those things and then transitioning them to the traditional learning within the next half hour might be an issue. So I think a lot of issues of those variables that I you know, brought up have to be looked at because otherwise you could end up with a problem. But other than that, I think it's a great up-to-date way to really connect children to quick access to up-to-date information and teach them how and keep them engaged in things that they typically may not really have access to. So okay. I think it's a good thing overall. Right. just needs to be monitored. What do you think? Um, I actually think they're great learning pads, a great way to take notes. I do agree with some of the – there's distractions often, the surfing, the Google, the safaris. Um, but other than that, I, I sometimes see them as, like, useful tools. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just is another tool that has to have its parameters in its place. Right. All right. Thank you. Thank you for calling in. Bye. Let's go to the phones. An anonymous caller. How can I help you? Hi. Um, I'm a substitute teacher at a school, and I, uh, one of the new things that we have going on is that we're giving students iPads. Right. I think what their, their plan is to eventually is to not have the students carry books because their backpacks are so full. Right. It's to download all the books onto the iPad. So it's a matter of what's better, something like, um, like a Kindle or an iPad. And this is what you're saying is as far as a distraction goes, maybe something like a Kindle might be better. Right. I think you have to look at that because, you know, you have children whose frontal lobes, which is really what gets stimulated in a video game, who may have issues of ADHD or whatever, are going to have a hard time unhooking from that. So looking right. at that and being able to transition and know that you're going to need that transition time for some of the children, but build it in for everybody so that it's not a problematic issue. And then it becomes a good thing to have that kind of technology. But other than that, I think it's a wonderful way for kids to learn, carry their books and, and have it right at their fingertips. The access is unbelievable. So I think it's all good. It just needs to be modified and handled appropriately and deal with issues as they come up. And I also think a good way to do it is to engage parents in a discussion so that they can give you some of the feedback they have. And it's a collaborative effort so that you're not having kids who are having a bad issue at school with their iPad and mom and dad are up against it because they weren't brought in. Right. Well, I'm sure many of them have iPads at home. So maybe like one is specifically for homework and one is right. for play after right. homework. Absolutely. But I think it's a great thing. And it's where we're heading. I think we've got to go there. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for calling in. Have a good day. Um, I want you to understand that when you call, you get lucky today. You get a free copy of my book. And I have a book out that came in uh, around... 
February of 2010 called Side by Side, and it's a book simply written to address the mother-daughter relationship, which is one, for me, the most volatile, emotional, love-hate relationship I've ever dealt with from a uh, psychiatric and clinical perspective. It can go from zero to 100 before you know it and back to zero. These people love each other. Then mothers and daughters also don't like each other. So it's a good book. Um, given free copies to each caller today. And uh, I, I want you to call in so we can talk about it. Okay, let's take some calls. Sarah? Hi. Hey. Hi, Dr. Sophie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank I have you. a big question for you. Thank you. So my you described the relationship between mom and daughter perfectly. That's exactly how I feel. I love my mom. I can't wait to see her. And then, like, within a couple of hours, I just want to put her back on a plane and, like, not have to see her again for another year. Right. And, um, and I've pretty much been like this with her my whole life. And so the second I was able to, to move out of the house and go away, I, I went far away. And I've, I've made sure that we never live in the same state and we just see each other a couple times a year and try to preserve that relationship as much as possible. Right. And now she's older and, you know, she's alone. She still lives in the state we grew up in. And I feel kind of um, bad that she doesn't have any family around her. And I want to, I want to suggest that she come live in California. Yeah. Not with me, obviously, but at least so we can be closer together. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I mean, you, you love her. You don't always like her. Exactly. And, I don't. Yeah. And, it, it's, and it's a tough situation. I'm just. I'm scared. What are you scared of? I'm scared that if she lives here, we're going to fight a lot. I'm scared that she's going to kind of like impose on my lifestyle or. Well, um, she probably will if you allow it. That's the issue. The, the, there's a problem going on here where you don't feel that you have your ability to have your voice or your power with her without being either pushing her out of your life or being disrespectful. So you have to find a balance and a place where you know your trigger points with her or your toxicity level, basically, and be able to have her in your life to a point but not to the other extreme where you don't have her at all so that you don't feel guilty, she feels loved, you feel loved, and it works. But the bottom line is you have to get to the issues that trigger you about her. What does she do that triggers you so that you're clear on it and then see if it's something you want to address with her and see if it's something that you want to do to make better. Or it may be at a point where mom is older now and it's not going to really matter. And really now it's just you looking at how to navigate through that. Right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Because otherwise you're going to feel guilty that you don't have her in your life. You're going to not like her when she's here and be miserable and think she ruined your life. So you don't want either one of those as an outcome. You want to be able to have that balance. And the way to do that is really be able to see what's triggering you, what can be addressed, what can be handled differently, and really know when to have her in your life and when not to as far as, you know, having her over too much or not enough or having her live far enough away so she has to call maybe and just boundaries and being able to feel you can have your, your power and your respect with her. It just has to be done in the appropriate way. Yep, that's exactly it, setting boundaries. Absolutely. I'm, I'm afraid she's going to want to hang out all the time. Right, but she, that may just be something you feel that you're putting onto her and that may not even be true. So it's like discussing these things as two adults now who are both women and need something from each other, and you have to define that and be clear. Thank you so much. You're welcome. That was Thank really you. Helpful. We'll send you a copy of the book. Thanks, Dr. Sophie. Don't give up. I won't. Bye.
So that was an interesting call. I mean, it's it's a typical mother-daughter relationship where they probably had many years of not getting along, loving each other, hating each other, and never understanding what's really going on. And, you know, no matter what you do, at the end of the day, you have to take it apart to figure out what's really going on and what is triggering each person because you're getting triggered, you have needs that are obviously not being met, but you also have this expectation that you're supposed to have a relationship that's a certain way. And the truth of the matter is that every mother, daughter, every person and their relationships are very different. So taking a step back, bringing the emotion down and really trying to look at what's going on underneath is the key. So, all right, let's go to the phones. Rebecca? Yes. Hi, thanks for calling in, Dr. Sophie here. Hey. Um, How can I help you? I was calling because I wanted to ask a question about my, I have a new baby um, who's two months old. And Congratulations. my mother-in-law comes to visit and um, is very overbearing and doesn't really communicate, but instead kind of like runs a commentary the whole time, Right. you know, and um, which in turn makes me kind of have a distance and then it kind of makes my husband uneasy and right. just trying to get right. a method to deal with that situation. Okay. How long, how long have you been married? Two years yesterday. Oh, congratulations. So did you have this you. issue with her before you ever had the, the baby that she irritated you this way? Um, not really. We don't really see each other that much, but she was here for an extended period of time because we just had the baby. Right. So. Is she gone? She lives out of town? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, really, you have to limit that time. So know that you can tr control when she's going to come, obviously, right? You know when she's coming, it's a finite time. It's a week or two weeks or whatever. Is that the way it works? Right. Okay. And so the best thing to do is try to empower her to take care of the baby so that you can extricate yourself and go do other stuff. And that would be the best way to be able to handle that relationship so that she feels she has some say and the ability to raise and have input to her grandchild. And at the same right. time, not criticize you or roll her eyes or say things that are going to just trigger <laughs> you all over the place to make you feel inadequate as a parent. Because it's very difficult, especially with your first child, to feel adequate, whether you have a mother-in-law overseeing you or not or anything. Just in the grocery store, having people look at you is, is uncomfortable. So you're already starting from a place of feeling uneasy about parenting, and then you have somebody watching you. So right. I would limit that kind of uh, situation so that you empower her to take care of the baby and maybe you go do something with your girlfriends or whatever it is that you're going to do so that she feels she has some control and say you're not there to watch it or be the recipient of her comments. And that way it also limits the tension then between you and your husband. And you have to like balance that each time. And, and that changes, by the way, and it gets much better over time as your child gets older and as you get more confident in your parenting. Right. And what about when we are forced to be together and those comments kind of come in well, how, how to deal with how do you deal with them now do you ask your husband to step in do you deal with them do you ignore them um kind of just ignore okay well ignoring is only going to make you angry and then she leaves and you're you're upset but also your anger is coming out in many ways while she's there so i would at some point if you feel they're that that bothersome to you maybe pull her aside as they're happening and discuss with her what is really going on. Like, I'm not sure what, what that means. And not in an argumentative, in your face kind of way, but trying to get her to understand how you feel with those comments. Because she may not even know that she's provoking a feeling in you that, that's making you angry. So I think start from a place of she may not know, 
communicate to her, let her know how you feel, and then see where she takes it. Okay. And, and it's important not to put your husband in the middle because it's only going to create a problem for your marriage. Because okay. boys don't pick between their mothers and their wives. They shouldn't <laughs> have to be put in that position. Okay. So deal with it appropriately, woman to woman, in a respectful manner, and you'll extinguish it over time. Right. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling in. We'll send you a book. Thank you. So we're hearing a lot of stuff about mothers, daughters, mother-in-laws, lots of uh, issues and, and problems. But the bottom line is when you have a problem with somebody, there's nothing wrong with communicating to them what it is that's bothering you in a respectful way. You got to be able to get your emotions in check. So um, I'm excited to be here with you and, and have you join me every week because we're going to be tackling a lot of issues. We're going to be talking about what you should expect from your child, what you should expect from yourself, issues of school, issues of family, issues of, of all kinds of, of things that come up within a family, from technology to what's going on in your school, your community. We hear a lot of things about children having access to technology in, in their own schools. Is that a good thing? Is that not a good thing? Does that allow them better access and better ability to learn? Are there children who learn better that way versus children who will really get shut down by that kind of learning? We're going to hear and we're going to talk about all kinds of new age, up-to-date issues that are happening as we speak. We're going to talk about news. We're going to have great call-ins. We're going to have guests on the calls. We're going to be able to do a lot. So as the weeks go by, we're going to really tackle issues and we're going to get some answers and we're going to leave each week with a lot of good tools to be able to better empower ourselves and our families. So I encourage you to give me a call, stay connected, and we're going to go forward together. All right, let's go back to the phones. Lauren, how are you? I'm great. Thank you, Dr. Sophie. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for calling in. Of course. I uh, did have a uh something I was hoping you could help me with. For sure. the past seven years, I've been working as a personal assistant, and I'm in the transition period. I'm going to change careers, going into massage therapy. And in the beginning, um, when I realized this is you know, a new passion of mine, I was very excited and optimistic and eager, enthusiastic. And now, on some days, the reality of this change is quite terrifying. Right. And I'm not sure where these doubts or feelings are coming from. I don't know if it's that I'm turning 30 this year or if, you know, I'm looking at my friends and what they've acquired, I guess. I'm not really certain. But um, do you have any suggestions on how to deal with a change of this magnitude? And Absolutely. The bottom line is any transition is, dis is going to create discomfort in you. You're always going to second guess yourself no matter whether it's crystal clear that it's the right thing to do. So know that. And so okay. part of it is that. Another part of it is how long have you been doing the personal assistant and that kind of stuff? Well, for the past seven years, it'll, right. yeah, it'll be almost eight. So. Right. So that's a long time to get safe in a situation. And now you're going into something that you really don't know and it's unexpected. And, Very true. Yeah. And so it's just all of the, the typical anxieties that should come up. But Again, remember, no pain, no gain, and you've got to go through this space in your life to get to the other side. And It's hard to remember. It is hard yeah. to remember, but as long as you keep yourself balanced and you're sleeping well and you're eating well and you stay focused on your goal because you're transitioning your life to the next higher level, yes. I think that's the key, and that'll get you through it. And if, if you are getting scared and you are feeling that you're second-guessing yourself, there's nothing wrong with writing those things down and really looking at them and seeing that they are just typical anxieties that right. come with any transition. And comparing yourself to your friends, you know, at the end of the day, everybody grows and, and evolves at a different rate. And Very there are many people too. who don't really hit their stride till they're 40 or 50. So 
be proud of yourself. Congratulations. Keep going. And you got to evolve. Well, thank you. That's one thing, the balance. I've noticed my sleeping patterns, my eating habits. I've been craving extremely sugary foods, which right. is so unlike me. Right. So, I mean, maybe well, if I make that my main, main priority, everything Absolutely. Else will... If you get on my website, drsovi.com, you'll see a uh, technique I use there. It's called the SWEEP technique, S-W-E-E-P. Okay. Five key areas of your life to keep in balance. And if you look at those things, you'll get them in balance. You will feel a lot better as you go through this transition and as you continue on in life. Really keep yourself in balance because that's the key. The stress is really knocking you around. Well, thank you. And that's drsophie.com? Yep, drsophy.com. Thank you so much, Dr. All right, good Sophie. luck. You've Congratulations. All right, let's go to the phones. Meg, hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Dr. Sophie? Good. Thank you for calling in. Absolutely. How can I help you? Well, so I've been having this issue where I want to stay informed of what's going on, um, you know, both locally and on a national level. And I feel like I consume the news that I want to consume, such as the newspaper every day and then the few shows that I listen to, et cetera. But what I'm finding is that I'm getting very frustrated and almost depressed on a day-to-day basis. Um, and I, I'm trying to find the balance with that, but um, I just think that right now it's just very, it's just very hard. So I'm wondering how or what you would suggest to do to try to stay informed without wanting to move to Canada at this time. Well, I get it. I get it. It's a tough world out there, and you're you're listening to all of these horrific things that are going on. People dying, being found places, horrific things happening to children. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It has to be a balance. But I guess, are you really frustrated and scared, or are you angry because of where the world is at, or both? Um, you know, I guess it would be both. And, and more with, you know, to be specific, just, you know, I know that it's an election season coming up, and it's supposed to be, uh, you know, at this time where both parties, you know, act in the face for political reasons, but, right. but not necessarily for, you know... Right, you don't know if they're going to follow through with all those promises. Right. Right, and, they're, they're saying and, the right stuff. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of what you're really angry at, the bottom line, is that people don't have the integrity that they may seem that they're portraying. And so I think looking at what really makes you angry and dealing with the feelings that come up when you see these horrific things... But definitely limiting it. I would have, you know, I recommend to a lot of my patients to have that morning show or that morning way to get, you know, caught up from the day before and then limit it. And definitely not in front of your children because it's going to affect you and them. And also be aware of what you're doing in the car on the radio because those kinds of things just beat on you all day long. Whether you realize it or not, you're, you're hearing these things and you may not even be realizing what you're feeling. And that's building up over time. So honestly, limit it. Have one or two places where you get caught up, whether it's in print or on the radio or on TV. And the rest of it, you know what, you don't need to know because if it's that important, you'll hear it anyway. Got it. Okay. All right, and don't move to Canada. We need you here. <laughs> okay. Thank you. We'll send you a book. Thanks so much. Thank you for calling. Okay. Have a good day. Bye-bye. So as, as we wrap up our first show today, thank you all for listening. I really am grateful for you. And I want to talk about a few things. Some of the things I'd like you to leave with as far as the school back-to-school transition are some tips that I think are really important for you to keep in mind. And school is a time that we have to change our habits. And, and remember that. It is going to be a change, and it's not going to feel comfortable necessarily. It's going to be irritating, but it is a change. We have to do it. Got to face it. 
teach our kids how to do it, role model. So I know it's a change and let's go through it. Know how you feel as you go through that change and don't let it overtake you. The other tip I want you to understand is you got to be a full partner in that whole working relationship with the school. Go to the school, meet your school, meet your, your principal, know your children's teachers and have a relationship with them both by email and in person so that you're up to date. They can reach you, you can reach them. And there's no crack for anything to fall through like homework not getting done or I didn't know what was going on or a school meeting that you're supposed to be at. So build those relationships, they're key. Join a parent-teacher association so that you're involved on a bigger community level and a bigger school community level so that you know what's going on, you know what's ahead for your child in the years to come and the other, in the grades as they progress, but it also gives you a place and a voice within the school and the community. It's also very important to ensure that your child is in the, in the best mind frame that they can be. So looking at how they're functioning at home, balancing out their life, and we'll talk a minute about how to do that, but making sure your child is in the, might, the most solid framework to move forward and go to school and really look forward to it. And if they're not looking forward to it, there's nothing wrong with kind of trying to figure out what's wrong so that it doesn't become a problem that you didn't address at home. And now it's October or November and it's really rearing its ugly head. So check in with your child, make sure you know where they're at, where their attitude is at, where their mind frame is at, and get them to the best place they can be so they can embrace it. And ask your child what they learned. Talk to your kids as they come home. At the end of every day, talk to your child. Sit around that dinner table and talk about what happened in your day, what happened in their day, how everybody feels about it, what kinds of issues came up, how did we problem solve, do we need to talk about ways to better problem solve. Those are the key family issues that need to go on around your table. Remember, guys, back to basics. There's nothing wrong with it. So they're the key tips I'd like you to kind of think about. I'll put them up on my website, drsophie.com, and you can access them anytime you need. And I'm there if you need me. Hit that ask, ask Me a Question button, and I'm more than happy to get back to you and help you through this whole transition. Also, I'd like to uh, give you the Suicide Prevention Hotline number. Many of you can uh, will recognize that I was involved in a program where we had a uh, outcome of a patient. And I think suicide is something that we don't often feel comfortable to talk about, but I think it's something we need to be well aware of and be talking about and be empowering people who may need that help to reach out because there is help on the other end to help transition yourself again from that dark space to a place where you feel more hope and more support. So the suicide prevention hotline number is one 800 2 Seven three talk eight two five five again suicide prevention hotline number one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five please use it it's life saving also I'd like to refer you to a really wonderful website LG Text Ed the LG phone company wonderful wonderful people they really do a lot to be able to educate parents about texting, sexting, all kinds of issues within your phone, how to understand what your child's doing, where they're at. So again, look on the website, lgtexted.com. I have a link on my site, drsophie.com, but also lgtexted.com, lgtexted.com. Hit it up, guys. It's a really great website. Also, again, drsophie.com, drsophy.com. Get on there. There's a ton of resources. You can ask me questions. Look at my book. You can even buy my book if you want to do that. Follow me on Twitter at uh, Dr. Sophie and add me to Facebook. 
for any updates when I'm on TV, when we're going to make appearances. We have a lot of stuff coming out on TV. Housewives of Beverly Hills is the next big uh, episodes that are coming up. You're going to see a whole lot of uh, interesting things that are going on there. But at the end of the day, I'm there for you guys. I want to answer your questions. I want to hear what your issues are. And I want to help you work through these with good outcomes and tools that are going to take you into the future. Thank you. Fine. Oh, you turn out fine. But you got to keep your head up. Oh, and you can let your head down. Hey, you got to keep your head up. Oh, and you can let your head down. Hey, I know it's hard. Hey